the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, the Friday edition. James Blend is producing. Sam Maupin is engineering today's program. We'll start out with some of the day's headlines and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news in the second half of this first hour. And in our second hour, we'll feature the Christian Outlook. Monica Crowley will talk about how the electorate is fired up and not just about inflation. Matt Staver with the Liberty Council will talk about the admission by a Pfizer executive that the COVID vaccine was never tested on effectiveness at actually preventing transmission. And Mark Moreno, his book, The Great Reset, Global Elites and the Permanent Lockdown, among other things on this week's Christian Outlook. Also want to let you know that our sister station, True Talk 800, is launching Discovering the Jewish Jesus, God's Seven Holy Days. You can visit truetalk800.com to request your free download of God's Seven Holy Days. It's a comprehensive guide to understanding the fall Uh, Holy Days, and how Jesus fulfills them. You can learn how the seven holy days of the Old Testament relate to Jesus and what they mean for you today. Discover the Jewish Jesus. It airs at 10.30 a.m. on weekday mornings and again at 9 p.m. on True Talk, 800 a.m., our sister station. Well, again, taking a look at the headlines, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot issued a subpoena on Friday to Donald Trump, asking that the former president testify before the committee and provide records related to his actions during the riot. The subpoena comes a week after the committee voted unanimously to subpoena the former president and requires the former president to turn over documents by the 4th of November just a few days before Election Day, and to appear for the deposition on November 14th, just a few days after Election Day. Well, the committee's chairman, Representative Benny Thomas, or rather Thompson, uh, said before the vote last week that uh, the president is the one person at the center of the story of January 6th, adding, so we want to hear from him. It's our obligation to seek Donald Trump's testimony, he said. He added that the uh, committee recognizes that the decision to subpoena a former president is a serious and extraordinary action. That's why we want to take this step in full view of the American people. Well, earlier on Friday, former President uh, uh, Trump advisor Steve Bannon was sentenced to four months in prison after being convicted of contempt of Congress for failing to comply with a subpoena issued by the January 6th committee. Well, if Trump does not comply with the subpoena, the committee will be left to decide if it will vote to hold him in criminal contempt of Congress. If the panel votes to do so, the matter would then head to the full House for a vote. Representative Liz Cheney, the committee vice chairwoman, said this week that if the president refuses to comply with the subpoena, the lawmakers plan to take the steps we need to uh, take after that. Um, Interestingly enough, she lost her bid for re-election, and if there's a landslide in the midterm elections, the future of the committee is in doubt. We'll continue to follow that story. Well, it ain't over till it's over. President Biden is pushing voters to back Fetterman during his Pennsylvania trip because the world is looking. Okay, I'm not sure what that meant, but 
The world is looking. On the trust turmoil, Nigel Farage declares that the UK Conservative Party's dead um, amid the prime minister drama. And of course, trust stepped down. More on that in a few moments. Calling it a bunch of malarkey, Republicans skewered the White House over the Delaware visitors log secrecy. Pro-freedom message, Georgetown students walked out of an auditorium during former Vice President Pence's America First speech, chanting, hate has no room, has no home here. Well, apparently it does. Well, saying it doesn't make sense, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt says he won't allow minors to undergo life-changing gender surgeries in his state. Well, simply not true. The Portland Police Association's president on Thursday criticized Oregon gubernatorial candidate Tina Kotek for claiming during the previous night's debate that she has always been a supporter of law enforcement. Kotek, a Democrat, made the comment during a debate with her her challengers on the question of funding law enforcement to combat crime. Kotek said, at least most recently, when people call 911, they need to feel safe and have the right response at the right time. I've always supported our state police, end quote. That is just simply not true. So says Sergeant Aaron Schmaltz during the interview following that debate. The new face at the network, Jake Tapper, is fueling GOP bashing in primetime despite CNN's newfound mission toward nonpartisanship. Saying someone seems sensitive, President Biden is being slammed after snapping at reporters for asking him about abortion and the midterms. Kind of the grumpy old man, get off the lawn. Existential peril, MSNBC, The New York Times and The View are panicked that voters care more about the economy, you know, whether or not they can feed their kids, than what they deem threats to democracy. Unintended harm, a doctor ripped the White House for shielding COVID vaccine data as the CDC okays the shot for the immunization schedules that might be imposed on children in order for them to attend both private and public schools. Tarnished Crown, the Miss Universe organization, has suspended the organizers of the Miss USA pageant after allegations surfaced that the competition was rigged and the winner predetermined. Miss Texas, um, she was crowned Miss USA on the 3rd of October. Shortly after her win, contestants started to complain that she had actually been pre-selected to be the next title holder. Tada or toodaloo. To Truss. Well, United Kingdom's Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned Thursday after just 45 days in office, becoming the shortest serving prime minister in Britain's history and the third Conservative Party prime minister to be pushed out in as many years. I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party, she said in a statement delivered outside of her 10 Downing Street office. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King. Well, that's. Odd to say his majesty, the king, to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the conservative party. She was appointed on September 5th, becoming the shortest serving prime minister in Britain's history and the third conservative prime minister to be pushed out. A CDC panel unanimously voted to add covid vaccines to the list of the recommended child vaccinations. It's up to the states whether or not to embrace uh, that recommendation. And the housing market sees home sales decline for the eighth straight month. The Wall Street Journal reports that U.S. existing home sales fell for an eighth straight month in September as rising mortgage rates made home purchases less affordable. Sales of previously owned homes declined 1.5 percent in September from the prior month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4.71 million earlier. Existing home sales have dropped 27 percent from their recent peak in January as the Federal Reserve's actions to increase interest rates have pushed many prospective home buyers out of the market. 
Oz and Fetterman are tied in new polling. Fox 29 reports that as Election Day nears, a new poll shows Republican nominee Dr. Mehmet Oz has gained ground on Democrat nominee John Fetterman in Pennsylvania's U.S. Senate seat. The race is now a dead heat, according to a poll of 550 likely voters conducted three weeks before Election Day. Fetterman and Oz are now tied in the polling at 46 percent. 86 percent of Americans believe China's military is a problem for the U.S., The military is emerging as a true competitor to the U.S. under Xi Jinping. The People's Liberation Army now has hypersonic missiles that evade most defenses, a technology the U.S. is still developing. Its attack drones can swarm to paralyze communications networks. China's naval ships outnumber America's, and it's uh, launched its third aircraft carrier this summer, the first to be designed and built in the country. Its defense budget is second only to the U.S.'s. China's military has more serving members at around 2 million compared to just over 1.4 million in the U.S. The question for Mr. Xi, which he has raised in public, is whether those forces are ready to battle. Some 86 percent of Americans said that they consider China's military, the People's Liberation Army, to be a problem. Iran has been hit with more sanctions by Britain and the European Union for selling drones to Russia. Britain and the European Union imposed a fresh round of sanctions aimed at Iran on Thursday This time over providing drones to the Russian army and they've used to strike battlefields and civilian targets in Ukraine. The sanctions will target the company that manufactures Shahad-136 drones, diplomats said, as well as three Iranian generals. The British Foreign Secretary, James Cleverly, he announced the decision on Thursday evening, calling the recent drone strikes that they targeted energy supplies an act of desperation. Tehran, according to Reuters, denies supplying the drones to to Moscow and the Kremlin on Tuesday denied its forces are using Iranian drones to attack Ukraine. Washington says Iran's denial is a lie. Well, California Republicans are looking to uh, Lonnie Chen to revive the party. California's GOP looks uh, moribund. Uh, Republicans haven't won a statewide office since 2006 when Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger was reelected. Democrats hold supermajorities in the state legislature and 43 of 53 U.S. House seats. Well, after beating back a recall challenge last fall, Governor Newsom is cruising to reelection. Yet Republicans are showing signs of revival with four Democratic House seats unexpectedly competitive. The state controller uh, race will test whether a GOP candidate with a compelling message and background can win statewide in California. Capital Weekly reports that he's gained the support of Democrat Gloria Romera, who has uh, was a state senator and served as Democratic majority leader in the state Senate from 2005 to 2008. Chen, endorsed uh, by the L.A. Times and Sacramento Bee, is needed to put a monkey wrench in the system that's wasting taxpayer money, Romero said. She said uh, he can make it stop churning so we people, we the people, can have a better sense of what's going on. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, winding our way through some of the day's headlines, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. In our second hour, we'll listen to, well, the Christian Outlook for this week, featuring some rather interesting and timely guests. So I hope you can stick around. Well, the State Department is funding drag shows in Ecuador. Uh, let's fund drag shows internationally while our citizens face massive inflation. 
Well, the U.S. Department of State has awarded more than $20,000 for a cultural center in Ecuador to host drag theater performances in the name of diversity and inclusion. The State Department awarded the $20,600 grant on September 23rd to the Centro, whatever it is, the CEN, a nonprofit organization supported by the U.S. Embassy and Consulate in Ecuador to promote diversity and inclusion in the region. The National Review reports the initiative is part of the State Department's broader public diplomacy program, which is designed to support the achievement of U.S. foreign policy goals and objectives, advance national interests and enhance national security by informing and influencing foreign publics and by expanding and strengthening the relationship between the people and government of the United States and citizens of the rest of the world. How that translates into $20,600 in drag shows is a mystery to me. Well, Twitter is planning a, a, a massive layoff or layoffs, to be more accurate. The workforce is likely to be hit with massive cuts in the coming months, no matter who owns the company. Interviews and documents obtained by The Washington Post show a change likely uh, to have major impact on its ability to control harmful content and prevent data security crises. Well, Elon Musk told prospective investors in his deal to buy the company that he planned to get rid of nearly 75 percent of Twitter's 7,500 workers, whittling the company down to a skeleton staff of just over 2,000. Even if Musk's Twitter deal falls through, big cuts are expected. Twitter's current management planning a uh, planned rather to pair the company's payroll by about eight hundred million dollars by the end of next year, a number that would mean the departure of nearly a quarter of the workforce. The report said that the planned cuts by Twitter executives helped to explain why the company wanted to sell to Musk once he made the offer. Early voting in Georgia breaks a record for the second election cycle in a row, despite claims by the mainstream media and other critics who suggested this was Jim Crow 2.0 that would uh, restrict individuals from voting. With less than three weeks until the midterm elections, Georgians are already casting their ballots at a fast pace, with vote counts on Tuesday surpassing 2020 presidential election records for a non-presidential election year for the second day of early voting, surging to nearly twice the early voting totals of 2018 at the same point. The outcome of Georgia's Senate race could be critical in deciding the balance of power in Washington, so national eyes are poised. As Georgia entered its third day of early in-person voting on Wednesday, over two 291,700 people have voted in person 268,050 and absentee 23,690 in 2020 the early vote numbers uh, after the second day were significantly less well democrats are already making excuses for the coming electoral thumping it appears that they see the proverbial writing on the wall three weeks ahead of the midterm elections several prominent democrats are starting early writing the Democrat campaign post-mortem, Barack Obama blamed Democrats for getting too caught up in woke politics, saying we're going around scolding folks if they don't use exactly the right phrase or that identity politics becomes the principal lens through which we view our various political challenges. Former Democrat strategist James Carville blasted the Democrats for focusing on abortion. A lot of these consultants think it all uh, if all we do is run abortion spots, that will win for us. I don't think so. It's a good issue. But if you just sit there and they're uh, pummeling you on crime and pummeling you on the cost of living, you've got to be more aggressive than just yelling abortion every other word, end quote. Even Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders knows that the Democrats' failure to focus on the number one issue for voters, the economy, is killing them. 
And again, quoting him at a time when we have an economy in which the wealthiest people, the billionaire class, are getting much, much richer while working people are struggling to put food on the table. It goes without saying that we have to focus on the economy, Sanders argues. Of course, since the uh, Democrats have followed Joe Biden lockstep in passing laws that have only hurt the economy and brought about sky high inflation, it's not at all surprising that candidates avoid talking about the economy. But avoiding the problem won't make it go away. Democrats seem intent on learning their lesson the hard way. Meanwhile, Justice Barrett uh, denied a stay of on uh, President Biden's student debt forgiveness. On Thursday, the Supreme Court justice rejected a request from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty for a stay on the president's student loan forgiveness program. Uh, Will filed a lawsuit on behalf of the American taxpayer against the president's program, contending that he exceeded his authority when he used the 2003 HEROES Act, a law that permits the Education Department to make amendments to student financial programs in connection with a war or other military operation or national emergency to forgive up to $20,000 in student loans in mass. Will, which is again the organization, requested that SCOTUS block Biden's program from going into effect while the appeals process was working its way through the Seventh Circuit Court. Justice Barrett denied the request to put an emergency hold on the program. However, as Will's deputy counsel, Dan Lennington, observed, Barrett's decision does not make the program lawful. In fact, student loan forgiveness will remain under review by the courts and could possibly still be paused as we advocated for it this week. The tough thing, however, is that this set of uh, setup Uh, sets up a situation of having to put the toothpaste back into the tube should the Seventh Circuit rule against the president. A Delaware computer repair shop um, owner has sued the Bidens for defamation. The store owner of the computer repair shop where uh, Hunter Biden, the 22 uh, Biden campaign, um, is now suing uh, the left media outlets, CNN and Politico, are also on that list, suing for defamation. Instead of reporting on a legitimate story, the mainstream media spiked it in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election, likely changing the outcome. Furthermore, store owner John Paul Mac Isaac uh, alleges that his uh, suit in his suit that he was falsely accused of crimes, including theft, hacking into the laptop and being part of a plot by Russian intelligence. Isaac notes that he was accused of being a Russian plant and a liar by Biden's deputy campaign manager, Kate Bedingfeld, uh, who claimed five former heads of the CIA, both parties say uh, what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except his good friend, Rudy Giuliani. Isaac included Schiff in his suit due to the congressman having falsely asserted on CNN. We know that this whole smear on Joe Biden comes from the Kremlin. Well, the left media outlet Politico is included due to its coverage of the laptop falsely labeling it Russian disinfo and part of a Russian disinformation campaign. The fact that Hunter's laptop was not stolen, that it did not contain Russian disinformation and the FBI knew this and has been engaged in investigating and um, um All lend credence to Isaac's case. That said, it will still be a difficult one for him to win. A free speech nonprofit is suing a former J6 staffer for defamation over the domestic violence extremist smear. And the housing market, well, it should brace for double-digit mortgage rates in 2023. Inflation is costing Americans $445 more in expenses Per month, according to the New York Post and Rasmussen poll, voters expect the GOP to take the House and the Senate. But of course, predictions don't make elections. We have to actually vote and see the outcome. Why not 99 percent? Nearly 80 percent of voters oppose transgender procedures on minors.
And on this day in history, 1892, school children across the U.S. observed Columbus Day, according to the Gregorian date, uh, by reciting for the first time the original version of the Pledge of Allegiance, written by Francis Bellamy for the Youth's Companion. 1797, the U.S. Navy Frigate Constitution, also known as Old Ironsize, is christened in Boston's Harbor. 1892, Thomas Edison perfects a workable electric light at his laboratory in Menlo Park, New Jersey. 1917, members of the 1st Division of the U.S. Army training in Loonville, France, becomes the first uh, Americans to see action in the front lines of World War I. 1960, Democrat John F. Kennedy and Republican Richard M. Nixon clash in their fourth and final presidential debate in New York. 1967, tens of thousands of Vietnam War protesters began two days of demonstrations in Washington, D.C. 1971, President Richard Nixon nominates Lewis Powell and William Rehnquist to the U.S. Supreme Court. Both nominees would be confirmed. 1976, Saul Bellow wins the Nobel Prize for Literature, the first American honored since John Steinbeck in 1962. 1996, President Clinton's don't ask, don't tell policy on gays in the military survives its first Supreme Court test. And finally, on this day in history, 2001, Washington, D.C., postal worker Thomas Morris Jr. dies of inhalation anthrax as officials begin testing thousands of postal employees. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news when we return, so stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to switch gears just a bit and take a look at the lighter side of the news. We'll get right to that with uh, James Blend in a moment. But I do want to mention that Discovering the Jewish Jesus, God's Seven Holy Days, can be heard on True Talk 800, our sister station. They're launching Discovering the Jewish Jesus, God's Seven Holy Days. You can visit truetalk800.com to request your free download of the same. God's Seven Holy Days. It's a comprehensive guide to understanding the uh, the fall holy days and how Jesus fulfills them. You can learn how the seven holy days of the Old Testament relate to Jesus, what they mean for you today. At Discover the Jewish Jesus, it airs at 1030 weekday mornings and again at 9 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, rather on True Talk, 800 a.m. So check that out. All right. James Blend, want to welcome you as we take a look at the lighter side of the news. Welcome. Why, thank you for the kind welcome. Do you remember when you were a kid, The Great Pumpkin? It was a Charlie Brown show. Absolutely. Yeah, you looked forward to the Charlie Brown specials every year. Well, there's a new Great Pumpkin. It weighs about 2,554 pounds. It breaks uh, the New York, U.S., and North American record as the heaviest pumpkin ever. It was uh, grown by Scott Andrews of uh, New York is said to have broken all of those records. It's a new national record of the heaviest um, at the Great Pumpkin Farm, which seems appropriate. It's a fall festival in Clarence, New York. It was declared the uh, the biggest ever. In a Facebook post, the uh, festival organizers wrote that the pumpkin broke all of these records. And it, um, well, it's pretty impressive. That I'm not sure how they got it from where it was grown to where it currently sits, but it's a big one. I, I believe it's also gotten its own reality show. <laughs> Probably. I've seen some that measure up to just about that level of interest. Yeah. It, I, I, I imagine, you know, I, I I see the size of pumpkins. And yeah, when you think about how it must take to grow that big. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what you do. I mean, I'm sure there's steroids? a certain variety, and I'm not sure what you do. Yes, yeah, steroids <laughs> to to grow them that big, but people go out of their way to try to do that. I'm sure they have a whole system. Uh, anyway, I'll wait for the reality show. Yeah, I w- I'd like to see it as well. Yeah. Uh, International Sloth Day. I regret to inform you that we missed it by one day, but I thought it was worth mentioning. There is an I international every day. sloth. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, sloth Day. It promotes slow moving. Well, in whatever you're doing. Um, it was marked annually on the 20th of October, founded by a nonprofit animal protection organization. Uh, they say that uh, International Sloth Day um, is important. The day is meant to raise awareness of conservation of the six sloth species. I had no idea there were six sloth species, mainly because say it's hard to say. Fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For International Sloth Day during the first Sloth International meeting in Medellin, Colombia, they have a uh, international sloth meeting. They just sit around and do very little, I would imagine. Kind of like me. Yeah. Uh, again, the day is meant to raise awareness um, of the conservation of six sloth species, two of which are considered to be of concern by the World Wildlife Fund. The pygmy three-toed sloth is listed as critically endangered, and the um, maned three-toed sloth is listed as vulnerable. So if you happen to see them, just back away. The United Nations says the most critical challenge facing sloths is deforestation. So maybe if they moved a little faster, they wouldn't be quite so endangered. But nonetheless, but at least it means they're it. they're dying off slowly. Dun, dun. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just a little slow back here today. You should apologize. I'll get around to it eventually. There's apparently a big sensation on charcuterie boards. Everyone's making a charcuterie board. Essentially, it's making beautiful layouts of food that's generally too much for whoever's coming over the goal is to make it attractive and you end up wasting a lot of food i think but now there's a new sensation have you made a charcuterie board have you had one in your house no yeah me neither i I mean i put out you know you put out meats and cheeses and things but not in any designer format on a specialized uh, piece of uh, utensil if you You put out meats and cheeses and things occasionally Really? I've tried to imagine usually, this. Of course, I usually eat them before anybody gets over, but yeah. Huh. So you've had sort of a loose configuration of a charcuterie board. Uh, it's more of a char-ugly. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a new ph- phenomenon. Um, they're called fancy butter boards. Uh, they're soaring as shortages are looming. Butter boards, the polarizing stepchild of charcuterie, have taken TikTok to new food craze heights as some horrified safety and nutrition experts look on. And now, heading into the holidays, the boards are landing on tables as quick, inexpensive alternatives to the meat and fancy cheese-laden charcuterie boards. Uh, Despite a winter butter shortage projected for the U.S., that could drive up prices and make it more difficult to find in supermarkets. Really, we're, we're facing the potential of a butter shortage, they're telling us. The idea of smearing uh, something on a wood board with other food, sharing that with other people and having them all dip into it is a bacteria made in heaven, says a registered dietitian. Uh, one who created the food content for a TikTok and Instagram page got the butter board a party started in mid-September. She's credited with coining, uh, coining the term in a video 
that has her spreading it with abandon on a cutting board and topping it with, among many other things, edible flowers. Uh, she got the idea, jazzed up butter on woods from a chef and a two, um, 2017 cookbook. And now it's um, a new way to serve and eat vegetables and other stuff that's less expensive than the stuff you would normally load up on a charcuterie board. You know, I, I, every time you say butterboard, I think of a turkey, not not a uh, butterball. That's butterball, of course. <laughs> but uh, it made me think of what would a TikTok holiday look like? You know, where you have you know a, a butterboard and uh, with a you know some uh, turkey that's been soaked in Nyquil um, <laughs> and, and a side of Tide Pods. <laughs> Sounds like a festive holiday waiting to happen. TikTok yeah. day coming soon, I'm sure. Yeah, sadly, I have another commitment on whatever day that is. They're serving <laughs> that concoction. And just by way of disclaimer, we're not advised to cook our turkey or chicken or any poultry in NyQuil. No, 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 no. That is suggested on TikTok. That was suggested on TikTok and strictly referred to making fun of the idea because it's so dopey. Yeah. You know, if you try virtually anything on TikTok, you remember the cinnamon thing? You're supposed to inhale cinnamon. The cinnamon challenge, yeah. It's just so many foolish things and people, primarily young people, I'd like to think. Uh, that these are children, because you would prefer to think that a young adult or a young person would have more sense. Sadly, that's generally not, not true, the case. No, but but it's, a nice, um, it's a nice thought. Yeah, the, the idea that you would try stuff that they're suggesting on TikTok that can be extremely dangerous is sort of a sad commentary on our culture and our the absence of maturation. Exactly. Exactly. Well, a swift-footed lizard... That lived, well, a couple of years ago in what is now Massachusetts has been named the state's official dinosaur under legislation signed into law Wednesday by Governor Charlie Baker. A state dinosaur, an extinct creature, the Podocosaurus holicanesis or something very like that, received more than 60 percent of the roughly 35,000 votes cast in a social media campaign initiated earlier this year by state representative Jack Lewis, beating out another dinosaur that was also discovered in the state. If I think about my own childhood, the thing that got me interested in science in the first place was dinosaurs, the Republican governor said at the signing ceremony at the Museum of Science in Boston, with some of the state's leading paleontologists standing behind him. And the main reason they got me interested is because of their majesty and their ferocity and their um, almost alien being status. As a kid, they just created wonder, end quote. Well, Lewis came up with the idea of a state dinosaur while trying to find engaging projects for a Cub Scout den he led during the height of the COVID pandemic. The project did not uh, didn't just uh, get people involved in science, but also taught them about the legislative process, which is a double whammy. Uh, Well, the creature, which means soft footed lizard in Holyoke, was discovered in western Massachusetts in 1910 by Mount Holyoke College professor, somebody, somebody, Talbot, the first woman to find, discover, name, and describe a dinosaur, according to Lewis. Hopefully, if this project inspires just a couple of young girls to grow up and explore paleontology, it would have been worth it all. It would have been worth it all. You know, recently, Oregon talked about having its own state dinosaur as well. Yeah, because there's a lot of free time to come up with stuff that has very little value. The problem was they, they found that no dinosaur... Ever wore plaid um, or had a goatee and vaped, so they dropped the whole thing. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Not woke enough. There's, <laughs> there's still hope. 
we might find something. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show as we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. And in our second hour, The Christian Outlook, this week's edition, featuring, featuring some pretty good uh, conversation. So stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. James Blind has joined me as we're working our way through some of the lighter side of the news. Now, I'm not sure this would fit in the category of lighter side of the news, but foolish stuff. It would certainly fit in there. A stressed bull elk with large antlers was seen charging toward a man photographing the animal in Colorado. Now, you probably guessed the rest of the story. The event unfolded on the 24th of last month during elk rutting season in Estes Park. Megan Foster recorded a video showing the elk walking toward a group of tourists before setting sights on one man in particular who she said had been making a noise to get a response from the animal. Well, he got a response from the animal. My guess is he probably got the idea off TikTok. We were trying to get away from him because we knew he was going to make one of them mad enough to hurt someone, the young woman said. What you didn't see on the video is six other bulls, that that's bull elk, uh, were also trying to keep away from his um, herd He was very stressed. He was drooling and, well, doing other things to mark his territory. The man seen in the video is fine, according to Foster, but it wasn't pretty at the time. I couldn't watch it anymore. It was uh, very sad to see this animal go through this, being annoyed, apparently. When we left, a ranger was walking around the area, and I went and told him, I don't know what's happening after after that. Well, the elk are commonly spotted in the the park where this all happened. The man was trying to get the... um, uh, the elk's attention. This was uh, peak elk rutting season, and he, uh, well, he accomplished his goal and was gored by the thing several times before eventually escaping. And by the way, he is uh, not seriously hurt. We're told that you should uh, keep at least seventy-five or uh, feet or two bus lengths away from uh, these wildlife, uh, these creatures in a park. For more dangerous animals like black bear, moose, mountain lions, a distance of at least 120 feet or three bus lengths uh, should be given. I think being on the third floor of a uh, business complex is about the right uh, distance. I'm thinking they're hundreds of miles away. I'm three stories up. That sounds about right. This is why I refer to myself as an indoor pet. Yes. Absolutely 100%. But uh, yes, indeed, it might be one of the good times to practice social distancing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, My trip to Fiji was incredible. But one thing I had been warned about and it came true was that there are mosquitoes there who take their work very seriously. And I've learned over the years that I am apparently delicious to mosquitoes. I've often wondered why, but now I have perhaps the explanation. Some people are more irresistible to mosquitoes and it's not about your blood type. A new study finds that some people really are mosquito magnets. I'm one of them. And it probably has to do with the way we smell. Now, I take exception to the fact that I smell at all. But according to a mosquito, there's something there. The researchers found that people who are most attractive to mosquitoes produce a lot of certain chemicals on their skin that are tied to smell. And bad news for mosquito magnets, the bloodsuckers stay loyal to their favorite over time. If you have um, high levels of this stuff on your skin, you're going to be um, the one at the picnic getting all the bites, the study author says. This is a neurobiologist. Uh, There's a lot of folklore about who gets bitten more, but uh, many uh, 
uh, claims haven't been backed up with strong evidence until now. Well, to put mosquito magnetism to the test, the researchers designed an experiment pitting people, uh, people sent against each other, explained the study's author. Their findings were published on Tuesday in the journal Cell. They asked 64 volunteers from the university and nearby to wear nylon stockings around their forearms uh, to pick up their skin smells. Well, the stockings were put in separate traps at the end of a long tube, Uh, Then dozens of mosquitoes were released. They would basically swarm to the most attractive subjects. Uh, It became very obvious right away. Well, the new study found that some people really are mosquito magnets uh, due to certain chemicals in their skin. Scientists held a round uh, robin tournament and ended up with a striking gap. The biggest mosquito magnets um, was around 100 times more attracted to the mosquitoes than the last place finisher. So if you were a mosquito magnet, your magnetism is uh, exceptional. The experiment used, um, well, all kinds. Anyway, the testing uh, seems to remain, um, well, the testing, uh, the same people over multiple years, the study showed that these big differences stick around. So if you have been a mosquito magnet at one period, you will probably remain just that. Still, figuring out ways to fight off mosquitoes isn't easy. DEET, it helps. Some of the new developed uh, stuff, it helps, but it doesn't prevent altogether. And, of course, the smell of the uh, repellent can sometimes be more repellent than the risk of mosquito bites either. I ended up with my fair share. You know, I think one of the things that uh, I get bit, but not a ton. And I, I, I always joke that it's because I have enough garlic in my diet. Well, I, I like garlic, but I don't eat it on a regular basis. Perhaps I should begin. Maybe, maybe, it, but uh, you know, as far as your trip to Fiji goes, I I, I mean to thank you all week for the little, the nice little souvenir you brought us all back. Oh, you're very welcome. But it, it still wasn't the one I'd asked for. What had you asked for? A bottle of water. I've heard good things about the water from Fiji. <laughs> and so, by the way, know. it's all over the island. It's that, the only thing you can uh, drink. Is it really out of the yes, that is hilarious. Yeah, it is all over the island. If you ordered it or if you just purchased it, it was always Fiji water. That is funny. It was delicious. Yes. Yeah. Well, a Massachusetts woman who released a swarm of bees on sheriff's deputies as they tried to serve an eviction notice is facing multiple assault and battery charges. I'm not sure how you release a swarm of bees, but apparently that's what she did. Uh, She pled not guilty at her arraignment uh, this month in Springfield District Court. This is in Massachusetts. She was released without bail. She and other protesters maintained that they were trying to prevent a wrongful eviction. The homeowner brought a evidence of a bankruptcy stay uh, to court the next day, at which point everything should have stopped. It didn't. So they thought the bees might prevent uh, the action from moving forward. Uh, Woods lawyer didn't immediately respond to uh, questions about the bees, but the Hampton County deputies were met by protesters uh, when they went to the home on the morning of October 12th. Um, and um, the bees were released. The beekeepers suit was worn by the person who released them, was eventually handcuffed, uh, but not before several more sheriff's deputies and employees were stung, including three who were allergic to bees. So this was not really a funny thing she did, but was attempting to uh, ward off the eviction. This is the stuff of my nightmares. That, oh, that's that, right. That's on your list. Oh, of, that, is, that is one of my biggest fears is bees, yeah. Sorry, James. I, yeah, that wouldn't have done well for me. No, it would not have. I would have been putting in for uh, retirement after that. (laughs) Well, light up your loaf saber. A California baker is crafting a life-size 
Han Solo out of bread. It's actually kind of impressive. Uh, Han Solo may be a hunk, well, a hunk of bread, uh, at least. That's what a bakery in the San Francisco Bay Area has uh, dubbed its six-foot bread sculpture of the Star Wars character as he appeared after being frozen in carbonite in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, Hannah Lee and her mother, their co-owners of One House Bakery in California, spent weeks molding, baking, and assembling the life-size sculpture using wood and two types of dough, including a type of yeastless dough uh, with a higher sugar content that will last longer. The two worked at night after the day's business was done. The lovingly crafted details show Han Solo, angu- his anguished face, and his hands straining to reach out. Hannah Lee says she might have gotten a bit obsessed uh, creating pan, they call it pan solo, was particularly meaningful, she told the paper, because she contracted COVID-19 in January, lost much of her sense of smell and taste. So just to find joy in a different part of the food was really important. So the loaf saver and pan solo. Pretty clever. Yeah, that's, you know, probably cost a lot of dough. Yeah. Probably did. Hey, we've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour and in our second hour this week's Christian Outlook. So stick around. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.